You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. Today we talk to local politician David O'Byrne about his journey with running. Running hasn't always been his sport of choice. He used to be a very avid footballer, but took up running after a few years of not playing any sport and realised he needed to get a little fitter and a little healthier, especially to keep up with his really busy life. So enjoy. Today on Fit Mind, Fit Body, I am really excited to introduce you to an old school friend, David O'Byrne. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you because as we just had a chat before, but we haven't really connected since we're probably 17 or 18. So yeah, no, like um, yesterday. Yeah, and uh, the mullets are now back in fashion. So uh, like a conversation, which is remarkable. I remember the mullets from the mid-80s and it seems like uh, we've Things like Stranger Things and others, the 80s are, are almost back, Top Gun, uh, you know, and, uh, and Global Wars, unfortunately. So, yeah, but that it's, is um, true. Yeah, no, it's been a while and it's uh, it's great to connect. It's always good um, when you, you catch up with people uh, that you spent some formative years with. I, I kind of remember you at school. We'll get into your actual background rather than our joint background in a minute. But I remember at school you were always um, a really chatty bloke and, and really funny. You always had something funny to say. But I think I was going through a time then where I might have even had a mohawk for a short period of time, which anyone oh, who knows me now is yeah. shocked because I don't have any photos of that time. And, uh, yeah, so I'm not sure. And did you, did you have the Doc Martens, the mohawk and the, and, the yeah, yeah, and the tartan pants? Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a thing. That was a look. Yeah. It yeah. was what was that film, um, the movie Suburbia back then? I think that's yes. yeah, we digress. So yeah, no, and that the, was the young ones, coming. I think the young yes. ones will be. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, brilliant! It's amazing how like I, I you know you sort of uh, you, you look back and you show photos of your daughter, uh, your, your daughters or your your family members' photos of you back then, and it's um it's uh it's quite remarkable the, the journey and the change we all go on but you never let it go I think life is a process of accretion you just <laughs> you collect experiences and and fads and looks on the way and exactly. they never leave you because no. there's photographic evidence they become these creases <laughs> in my face I think <laughs> <laughs> that's right or moments where you cringe but you know you go yeah yeah maybe he didn't think that one through yeah. no but it is it's made me who I am now so, Absolutely. Absolutely. All of us, really. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's start with the start. Where where did you grow up, David? So uh, a, a Lonnie boy, Launceston mm-hmm. um, in northern Tasmania, born and bred, youngest of three. Mm-hmm. Um, Dad was a was a, a tradie painter at the old Queen Victoria Hospital, and oh, and, and mum was a mum was a cleaner. Uh, and so I went to East Lonnie Primary School. Um, yeah. We we uh, were very fortunate. My my grandfather bought a house and we rented from um, my grandfather. So we had a we had a nice little house close to the East Lonnie Primary, Perfect. went to Quichi High School. Yeah. And then, I, and I'm, not many people are aware of this, I started to go to Allenvale College, which was the grade 11 and 12 system. You know, we have a, that yeah. system in Tasmania where you have the college system. But then I had two years sick with, um, with glandular fever oh. uh, and then sort of had two years off school, which was really, you know, you lose your peers as you 
mm. move through. Yeah. And so that's when I, um, instead of going to Allenvale, I really wanted to try and matriculate. I wanted to give it another go. And um, and where I met you at Launceston College. And so, yeah. so Lonnie born and bred, really. Yeah. Wow. So apart from obviously this period of, of illness, which sounds like yeah. I really interrupted those earlier times, did you did you do a lot of sport when you were in like yeah. primary school, high school? Yeah, yeah. Um, in classic sort of, you know, late 1970s, early 1980s, I played all the sports, <laughs> football and cricket. Ah, so all of, them. <laughs> <laughs> all of them, all of the sports. I, I think I had divot soccer, but they all, you know, they're all scheduled on the same time. So I played played football and cricket. So I played football for initially the East Launceston Footy Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, that amalgam that club amalgamated with um, South Launceston become South Launceston. So I played state league football for South Launceston for a while. Oh, yeah. um, and I played initially cricket with Riverside before I got sick uh, in this grade cricket at the NCCA. Before I got sick with Glansell fever, then when I came back, I um, some mates were playing at the old Scotch Cricket Club, mm-hmm. um, and I'm a public school boy, but I thought I'd I'd uh, I'd wear the Scotchy uniform, so I played cricket, and very fortunate enough in both of those um, endeavours to meet um, you know and and make lifelong friendships and and um, you know learn more about uh, particularly in football about where your body should and shouldn't go uh, in contact in, uh, in contact sports, but um, yeah, no, some great great times in. In Launceston, growing up playing um, playing those sports, so summer and winter. Do you remember the impetus for you playing those sports? Was it you? Was it your parents? Was it that friends were doing it? Do you remember why? Yeah, you were- I think it's a combination of all of those things. Mm. And I think um, I just I loved it. I loved playing um, sport, and it and it and it did define me as a younger person. I really didn't have huge career goals to to be a fireman or to be a police mm-hmm. officer or to. I definitely didn't even think about politics um, is what I'm in now but I I really enjoyed it I like the, um, the the friendships you build the contest that competitive sort of environment and um, and yeah that's that sort of drove me so I think what motivated me was not only just an innate sort of need or want to to compete mm-hmm. um, but to to do my best but also you know my brother was a very very good um, cricketer he captain the Tasmanian under 19 cricket team and oh, wow. he was really good Michelle my sister was a, a gymnast and so she you know we're all pretty athletic dad mm-hmm. was um uh he was quite an athlete as a young man as well and and sport was a big deal in our house you know we're yeah. um for better or for worse we're massive Collingwood football club fans it's a, a whole Uh-oh. family so so sport was always a, a big conversation topic in our house and we were all engaged and I had parents who were very very supportive um, and who would drive the you know the the kilometers to get us to events and look and when I played rep games for cricket for north against the south and all that sort of stuff they 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 made the personal commitment to support me which I think is fundamental for any young person um, to be able to achieve and enjoy themselves is to have that sort of broader family support Mm. to to get and do it but I just I just like now when I'm you know in my early 50s now and I'm I'm still running but you always look at the times (laughs) so that innate competitive um competitive sort of instinct it was in me at the time I I mean you can skip through to well we won't talk straight away about your uh, the political life but that seems like a very competitive um endeavor yeah, as well yeah, yeah like it's so it's quite bit. a yeah. it, it obviously is a, a strain in your in your dna that you know quite yeah. a competitive edge 
yeah. um, as well that maybe started in that sort of sport in arena. Yeah, maybe. And, and you know, I, I, I really liked the contest. So, like, I was never, clearly, I'm not the tallest. I was never the tallest no, in any team. Um, I was not, um, I was not the most skilled. I wasn't the fastest. At times, you know, you sort of, with your body, depending on how you were, you ebb and flowed in all of those areas. Mm. But my, I think my strength, what I brought to the, to the team was that competitive instinct that I wanted mm. to, to be my best and support my, my teammates, be their best and, yeah. And winning was important, but also, you know, the contest itself was quite thrilling, and I, I did, um, I did quite enjoy that, and still do, um, actually. So yeah. Um, okay, so let's get back to, you know, what you were doing once you finished school, or you finished yeah. year, year twelve here, or year thirteen yep. or fourteen because of your illness. Yeah, yeah. Where well, did you I go didn't really. I, I wasn't sure what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I. I because of the illness, it's, I, I still think I had some, you know, you, you, it's almost like a life interrupted. Mm. You're still trying mm. to find your way through. So I did some odd jobs, worked on a farm, worked mm. in hospitality. I was, uh, I was a porter at the country club casino um, yeah, yeah. during the airline strike, which was um, <sighs> remarkable. So I was a porter there. I love the American tourists. They always tipped. Um, Australians <laughs> never did. So always love the Americans. Um, and so odd jobs, but then I really needed a change of scenery. And a friend had a very, very close friend of mine had moved to Adelaide. So I moved to Adelaide and went to university in Adelaide. And effectively, it was again, whether it was fate or it was a series of moments where I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, mm. but I know I, I knew university, I wanted to further broaden sort of the horizons I've moved to a new new city in Adelaide um close friends around me but I wanted to broaden the horizons and I think I um I actually registered signed up for a communications uh, media and comms degree yeah. at University of South Australia and I thought well this this might be interesting but someone said Dave you always talk about politics uh, and I didn't realize you don't, don't realize this but you're, yeah. you're passionate about this sort of stuff you know, your, your dad is a union sort of delegate. He wasn't an organiser. He was a union delegate at his workplace. You should have a look at this degree, which was a political science degree, but also what would be called now an HR degree, like understanding industrial relations. But it was yeah. at the University of Adelaide with a bunch of left-wingers talking about the dignity of workers globally. So it was, it was really quite a, a degree which sort of almost, and it was around the time of the 93 federal election between Keating and Hewson. So massive, massive debate around the future of the country. It was the first mm-hmm. big, from my memory, growing up ideological campaign around the future of the country. So that really politicised me and, and sort of um, gave an intellectual framework to my values and my instincts, what I've instinctively thought was right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and In terms of my fitness um, and football, and I'd really struggled. And I found this physio because my friends were athletes. Um, yeah. They um, uh, they were decathletes and and um, sprinters and hurdlers in Adelaide. And and I sort of started to hang around them a bit and try to get a bit fitter. But I'd had what I early onset osteopubis, so really bad hip joints. And so they introduced me to a physio called Steve Saunders, who went on. He's now with the Crows, I think. Um, but was the physio for North Melbourne for many years. Uh-huh. And I'd had all these physios line me up on and just put on the, the gel and the ultrasound to go, oh, well, we'll fix this. And it didn't fix me all. And uh, Steve looked at me and 
basically realised that my my hips were rotating to a point where I'd obviously injured and then tried to play through the injury and then created bigger issues with my hip joints. Mm -hmm. So he'd sort of fixed me. So within three or four months, I'd lost five or six kilos and I was playing just amateur football in in Adelaide at the Adelaide Mm -hmm. University and I, I basically became the fittest in my life, really, oh. because I was able to run, the, you know, you do the full-on yeah. pre-seasons in 40-degree heat in Adelaide. Um, I stopped playing cricket because of those same summers. Um, <laughs> took all my cricket gear over to Adelaide in the middle of summer of 92 and it was 40 degrees for basically a week. So the cricket bag didn't come out. I spent time at the beach and then played football. Um, and so I got fit. And so I was intellectually challenged with my university degree yeah. um, and got fitter and fitter with my football, physically fitter. So, so when I did move back to Tasmania, um, I, um, I, I played state league footy again and I was much fitter and better. Did, did you feet. feel like it's it just, uh, well, we all know now that exercise improves our brain. So yeah, if, if you're at university, um, yeah. even though sometimes you'll think I've got all this pressure to get all of these things done, essays, assignments, yeah. et cetera, I don't have time to go for a run or play football or whatever Um, but we know that that's really actually very important and if you do do it you'll do better at at school can you remember at the time whether you recognize that or and reflection is probably where that lives Um, I probably got a greater appreciation upon reflection about Mm. how significant being physically fit and being active led to better decisions in life Mm. better emotional state um, and I, uh, I I suppose that sort of experience, because when I, um, later in life, there are a couple of moments where I wasn't active yeah. and, you know, you sort of go through the challenges of life and you put on a bit of weight and mm-hmm. you're, you're sluggish uh, and then you sort of think back in your life, well, hang on, I wasn't always like this. <laughs> and you sort of, at the time you have an appreciation, yeah. um, I think you'd be crazy not to think that being physically fit, you feel better, mm. but I got, I think, upon reflection, looking back at that time, um, at the time, yes, I got it, but I think there was a far greater appreciation looking back to go, mm-hmm. actually, what are, what were the fundamentals in my life that meant that I was a happier, more active, more capable person um, and physical fitness and activity was fundamental to that. So mm-hmm. n- there's no mm-hmm. doubt. And I didn't have a car, so <laughs> I, I walked a lot. Um, I was close to town, but a yeah. um, lot more passive and and uh, exercise in terms of walking to uni and mm. and then playing footy and and all that sort of stuff but um but being physically physically able to do that having a having a good physio i can't mm. recommend highly yeah. enough but sounds uh, like it's a pivotal moment for you really yeah yeah so so steve really and he didn't use one machine on me i had all these suction cups and mm. ultrasounds and you know all the old physio um yeah. machinery that they used to roll out in the late 80s and early 90s Yep. But um, Steve did not use one piece of machine on me. He basically used his thumbs, fists and his elbows. That's painful. Um, into my abductors and, and, you know, groin area and glutes yeah. and basically rebuilt the strength and broke down all the, the rubbish in that area. Yeah. And, um, and I know, because um, I still get, I, 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 he said, you'll have this rest of your life now because you basically played through a lot of injuries and you shouldn't have done and no one's corrected it. So you've just got some scar there that it'll yeah. just be what it is so mm-hmm. um and i notice when i don't when i don't look after myself those sort of injuries sort of come back so yeah. 
my good physio gets me back into line with all the exercises and just creates that discipline for me to 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 get my body right. But again, age age shall not weary, Michelle. But these are hurts at times. <laughs> How lucky so, are you though? Like, yeah, because, you know there are people who don't get those opportunities or whatever, and so yeah. they end up with an injury that they may have got when they were younger, like you did. That's right. And then they still have it, and it's what stops them doing lots of stuff. Whereas That's potentially. Right. They could yeah. have done or even could still do something about it if they came across yeah. the right person. And the thing is, you have a whole lot of, and particularly like um, growing up in this sort of machismo bravado sort of stuff, you play through your injuries, you yeah. know, don't be weak. You're, you're so sort tough. of, and you know, you don't need a physio, just run it out. Because, you know, yeah. the old run it out, you'll be right stuff. But, um, uh, and which is what I did and which caused the problem. Mm-hmm. So accessing really good health professionals at various points, you don't have to go every week, of course, yeah. but at various points and, and mm-hmm. keeping in tune with what your body's telling you and getting that that, um, that, that advice is really important. That's um, probably a big part of what I've been trying to preach and that is um, listening to your body. And if yeah. you're being mindful, you're actually uh, tuning in. So whenever you go yeah. for a run, actually spend a small part of that run just checking in with yourself. Yeah. So is that an injury coming or is it just normal niggles and stuff that you get yeah. because yeah. running Absolutely. sometimes gives you niggles? Um, yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, so you've moved back to Tassie. You've done yeah, so I moved back, um, moved back to Launceston. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, I, I basically, I was doing that sort of industrial relations, political science degree. And then I did a research paper on some industrial relations stuff, legislation that was happening in Tassie at the time. And I met with a few unions and, and they sort of let me know that there were some jobs going and they didn't offer me the job, but they said, we'd like you to apply. And, and I was fortunate enough. So I worked in Launceston with the health union organising aged care workers and, and doing that kind of stuff, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then was offered a job in Hobart in, at the end. So, so coming back to Launceston at the beginning of 94, had arguably my best year of football because um, I was super fit from Adelaide yeah, and, yeah. and played majority seniors at statewide league level and, awesome. and privileged playing against AFL greats, you know, like yeah. Peter German and David Rhys-Jones wow. uh, and, and players, you know, Andy Goodwin, sort of all these amazing players. So I was fit so I could compete best year of football and then at the end of that year I was offered a job in Hobart. So I moved to Hobart working with a different union, the Miscellaneous mm-hmm. Workers Union, organising cleaners and hospitality workers and baking employees and stuff. It's so, such a funny name. I'm sorry. The old missos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't because, know where you go, so you're going in the miscellaneous pile. That's right. And uh, um, ed- uh, early years educators, now childcare workers at the time were a part of that union, but that sort of is a, a hangover of the history that if you had a trade, you were someone. Yeah. You know, if you're a, a tradie electrician or a carpenter or a metal trades person, mm-hmm. that was that was how you were measured. But a cleaner, well, you're part of the miscellaneous union. Yeah. But we actually wore that with pride mm-hmm. because essentially the, um, you know, the, the collective strength of those people and predominantly women, they're feminised workforces, predominantly yeah. women coming together and organising for a better life. So, yeah. so that was that was. Um, there, to, there to catch them, if you like. I yeah, like that, that's right. That that's right. Well, they were um, they were much stronger than they always thought they were, and they achieved a lot of good stuff. And our role was just to to let them know how strong they actually were, and oh. give them the advice to lead them to that point. So it was pretty inspiring stuff. So, so yeah, so I moved to Hobart and worked with that union from '94, and still played football. I travelled up to Launceston for a couple of years to, wow. to South because I couldn't be one loyal to Launceston. The South Lonely Bulldogs, and then played with Sandy Bay um, 
um, in the statewide league and mm-hmm. and the Southern Cats, and then took a year off and then coached for a year in the amateur league down here. That's my football journey. And I actually didn't and, realize yeah. that you'd done quite so much football. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Well, I um look, I wasn't the best player, and yeah. and you know I really only had a couple of really good seasons um because of um, injuries and a few other things and mm-hmm. work and travel um at statewide league level but those two seasons were really good I think um for me um I was never first picked but I, it, I, I I worked hard yeah I, I say this about our running a little bit and maybe we'll get into that in in uh, shortly but uh you don't know when your fastest run you don't know well that was the time I did my first you don't know at the time that's ever, yeah. ever going to be the fastest like you probably didn't know this is going to be my best season um, yeah yeah no that's true and you know you you have these memories of the old blokes the old retired guys in the bar at the end of the game saying you're a long time retired and you go when you're 21 22 you go yeah whatever this is going to last forever exactly <laughs> look at me now so you don't you don't know what you don't know you know <laughs> I, I think you know what do they say? Youth is wasted on the young, but it's not. It's um, it's um, it just yeah. You don't realise, uh, but in hindsight, you sort of think, well, those two years were good, and there's a whole lot of stuff you could have done. You know, maybe a, a pre-season for a couple of years. I didn't do. Yeah. I didn't work hard enough, but it doesn't matter. It happened for a reason, and yeah. and but you just enjoy the ones you 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 could you could have. You do. So so then, did your football career? Uh, when did you stop playing football? Well, I stopped playing football when I started taking on a leadership role at the union. I was um, elected secretary in two thousand and um, mid two thousand and one, and so I, I retired in ninety nine, um, and then assistant coach at a team in the old scholars down here in two thousand. And then at the end, my body I was old and grumpy and slow, and and it took me much longer to recover from the games. Yeah. So my body was telling me it's time. Um, but then, you know, got married and started a new job and yeah. um, planning a family and so and renovating a house and all the things that life throw at you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was around 2001 I sort of finished my football okay. career, I reckon. And yeah. so um, work-wise, what did you move on to? Yeah, so I um, became <laughs> State Secretary of a Trade Union and yeah. that consumed my life. I was a seven-day yeah. sort of job and, and I was really um, motivated to unions were going through a massive transition in terms of, um, their relevance, their role, and how best to organise. And I was mm-hmm. working with a number of people across the movement to to bring in new strategies and try to 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 really rebuild the movement and rebuild the the union to become more member led. And and you know, um, so we grew the union. We 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 increased our size. We increased the profile. We got some really good good wins in a couple of industries that we represented. And um, that sort of consumed consumed yeah. sort of my life really. Yeah. And where did you go after? Because obviously not everybody who listens to this podcast is from Tasmania. Yeah, okay, yeah. Everyone else in Tasmania will probably know some of the stuff that you've got up to in the last 20 years. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I got elected to parliament in 2010. So I, oh, I never thought I'd be a politician, but my, my sister had been. Mm. Um, we were we were motivated by the values and, and I thought I'd be a unionist for the rest of my life, but then... Yep sort of criticise politicians a lot, as we all do. It's the national sport. <laughs> and I thought, well, I've got to put up or shut up. I've complained about them. Um, perhaps I could do better. Perhaps yeah. I could I could make a difference. So I ran in, in 2010 in the mm-hmm. state election down here and Labor had been in government since 1998. So this was yeah. seeking a record fourth or fifth term, whatever mm-hmm. it was, one year, fourth term. And so I was elected first time. Um, but we were elected into a minority government. Yep. We didn't have the numbers. 
Um, and then I was um, appointed um, a state minister in the state government. Um, in fact, I was um, I was sworn into the ministries before I was sworn into parliament, wow. which was quite remarkable. So I, um, because of the, the nature of it, I'm the, not yeah. saying that's um, anything necessarily to do with me, but I suppose it, it was, was just to do right with that person, time. Right time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I, um, I was a minister in that government for four years. Mm -hmm. And then when we lost government, because... A whole range of factors, um, and, and we, yeah, we had a and we have a hair clerk system down here, which is not single member electorates, but they're multi member electorates. So for people outside of Tassie, ACT people would not. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's like the Senate in the lower house. Mm -hmm. So you have a group of people representing a, a constituency. So it's a quota system on the vote, and so I marginally missed out on my seat, which was a bit, a bit rough. Um, mm -hmm. But again, life throw these things at you, and I then was elected national secretary of the union that I was state secretary of which, of, which was timing was important, but also it was a massive privilege. So, um, but I basically then had to travel every week out of Tasmania because yeah. it was a national job based out of the Sydney office. So for the next 18, 20 months, I was the national secretary of that union. And I'm a Tassie boy. I said to this to you in the chat before yeah. that there's been plenty of times and opportunities to leave permanently, but, um, and, but, the pull of the island, you know, this is my home, this is my place. So I'm a fifth generation Tasmanian, you know, yeah. Irish convict stock from the 1850s. This is my home, this is my community. And I knew that Tasmania was hitting a moment in time where I think not just Tasmanians understood how special we were, mm. but people around the world. So, you know, growing up in Tassie, you're always told if you wanted to do anything special, you had to leave. Exactly. You had to go elsewhere. Try and growing up on King Island. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go to the big smoke, Fernie. Right. Um, exactly. So, you know, you, you had to leave and and I did leave, but the, the love of the island and the place kept on dragging me back and I didn't want to leave and I had young family. Um, my wife's got a really great career. So we didn't want to leave, move to Sydney because um, we just knew that intrinsically we were not only Tasmanians, yeah. But we love the moment Tasmania was in and we love the place. So yeah. I then got a job back in Tasmania with the Beacon Foundation, which is a not-for-profit, as Chief Operating Officer, which was fantastic. Beacon Foundation worked with kids in working-class areas, building a career and understanding from grade 7 and 12, have a plan when you leave school, university training or a job. So, yeah. so that was really interesting stuff. And then I got convinced to run again in 2018 and re-elected um, in 2018 and, and I was re-elected at the last year's election. So we're in opposition and we're on the crossbench now. So, um, so yeah, so a, a political life um, through all its it's um it's strengths and weaknesses so but, um, hard i'm sorry yeah, <laughs> it no, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's such a hard life i think that the it always being in the public eye i think yeah. is really challenging um, and particularly at the moment with social media mm. the way it is the pylons that occur and and you know any any sort of minor controversy becomes a major controversy yep. and it is difficult but people sort of say well look, you know you go through all of this rubbish you cop a little bit um and i must admit it's you know, I don't get as much as I used to. I don't know. I don't know why. But um, luckily, maybe. Um, but people say, why do you do it? Why do you do it? And yeah. just a, a short story. When I was minister um, in 2013, I was uh, emergency services and workplace relations. So that's mm -hmm. um, firefighters and, and all that sort of stuff. So the firefighters union came to me and said, firefighters contract cancer at rates four and five times 
um, the rest of the population. Young, fit people, um, mm -hmm. and but they're getting cancers because of the environments they go into. Yeah. But so, so essentially the, the research said it's work-related. Mm -hmm. But if they got sick with one of those cancers, the workers' compensation laws at the time meant that they couldn't access workers' comp. They would have to prove which fire yeah. they contracted the cancer mm -hmm. at, which meant that they... Have could to become investigators themselves and blah, blah, blah. So they were relying on charity, on mm -hmm. insurance claims for their own death and disability for their yeah. families and GoFundMe pages to fund me. So I thought that was wrong. And so we became the mm -hmm. first state in, in the country to bring in presumptive cancer laws, which meant that if you're a firefighter for X amount of years, mm -hmm. you get one of the dozen cancers that are medically proven and connected to your occupation, we won't argue. We'll just give you your compensation. So that was a good thing, and, and I was really proud of that. But in 2000, at the end of 2016, I drove into Salamanca in Hobart, for those that know Hobart, beautiful area, so lots of restaurants. Got out of my car. This bloke pulled up next to me in his old Camry, and he got out and said, David O'Byrne, you don't know me and we've never met. And I went, oh, all right, what do I do? As a politician, you go, okay, if you want to get something off your chest, I'm more than happy to listen. And he said, oh, look, I just want to thank you, mate. Put his hand out because oh. you saved my life. And I sort of gave him a quizzical look because I thought he might have been taking the piss. Yeah. Um, but he said, no, mate, you saved my life. And he goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm a firefighter. And I knew straight away what he meant because, mm -hmm. you know, with that legislation, mm -hmm. I said, oh, what do you mean I saved your life? And he said, well, six months after or four months after you brought in that legislation, I contracted one of those cancers. i got a young family. If I didn't know that they were looked after financially, I don't know how I would have dealt with the treatment. Yeah. But I got through the treatment. I focused on that I'm on the other side. So, mate, thanks very much. Aww. And then he wandered off. <laughs> so with all the rubbish you get, with all the criticism, and some of it's legitimate, let's be fair, yeah. you know, you're not immune from that. Yes, but they're the know. moments where you go, actually, I can make a difference. That's I can help awesome. people out. Wow. Yeah. So that was... That's what inspires me to those kind of stories where you know you can. There'll be a moment in time, there'll be a shard of light where you can go, okay, I can I can impact that. I can make a difference. So, yeah. yeah. yeah it's only like if you can impact one person, that's all you ever yeah. do. Like it's, it's worth being on the planet, I reckon. I, 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 totally I, I think that's right. And there's, there's a whole range of moments in your life where mm -hmm. sometimes you can have a conscious choice mm -hmm. or there's an instinctive choice, instinctive choice to make a difference. Someone falls over, do you keep running? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. you stop. Yeah. You help exactly. them pick them up. That's so, what runners do. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Always. Yeah, yeah, always. <laughs> I know uh, my grandfather was um, what was the warden then. He was the warden on the island, on King Island. When oh, I was a wow. Kid. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember, I'm actually quite grateful there was no social media at the time because I can remember <laughs> what it was like to be um, a part of the family. It was positive yeah. and negative. There was plenty yeah. of negative. It wasn't just all... Um, oh, no, you know, no. positives. Oh, <laughs> um, there was, yeah, Particularly in smaller communities. Oh, yeah. Like there, there, there are politicians I know who live in big cities who could walk out of their door and no one knows who they are. But mm -hmm. in Tassie, particularly King Island, it's not just the politicians, it's their family as well. Yeah, like my yeah. daughters, are, you know, I roll their eyes a lot now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, 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 I do. I do know of that man you call my father. Yes, yes. that's right. Mm. Anyway. I can yeah. imagine. Um, so... Um, Running. So when did you yes. start? Like, obviously, you were running when you were playing football because it was part of the getting fit and staying fit and yeah. you have to run after the ball. But I, I, the thing is, that's right. So so I was fit, but I would think of nothing worse at the time yeah. than going for a run. 
because <laughs> I was training with a group of people and running that structured, you know, that training regime yeah. and that sort of life. Mm-hmm. And and it's only now that I've started to reflect on my football career. You sort of look back and go, well, the moments you played well. It was the moments where I ran on my own on, on non-training nights yeah. where I actually was fitter and could, yeah. could play better, mm-hmm. get to the contest, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. at the time, you know, just training, training, training. But then I stopped. Like I did very little physical activity okay. um, between retiring yeah. and then because I was busy, I was travelling a lot. Yeah. I just didn't make time for it. I just, and, yeah. I, and I should, you know, went for the occasional run, but it just wasn't a thing. But then when I started, when I was in politics, um, I realised I was, and I was, I was just putting on weight mm-hmm. and I was getting tired and fatigued. And I thought, again, you reach back and you, well, when was I, as I said earlier on, when was I mentally healthier? Mm-hmm. When did I cope with this kind of stress? When did I, that's right, I was active. Well, I didn't want to play football again because the body couldn't do that. So I started, I just started running and it was, um, um, again, maybe it's the competitive person in me. <laughs> I thought everyone was talking around the bridge run. So for those people who've done the bridge, run the bridge in Hobart. Mm-hmm. So it's from Blunston Arena, Bell Reeve Oval, um, on a beautiful February morning, on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. first thing, over the bridge into Salamanca. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most spectacular runs. So I thought to myself, six weeks out, I'm going to, and my first one, I think it was 2010 or 11. I think it was January 2011. So for the six or seven years, I didn't run and I was probably unhealthy and, you know, and, probably. And, and it's kind of, isn't it mostly, sorry to interrupt, mostly downhill? <laughs> um, well, there's it feels a like of, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no. And they're the I've never run it. But, um, well, there's a bit, of Ros, they call it Rosney Hill. So you run from um, Bell Reeve down around the water through Bell Reeve but, and then you go past yeah. the college and then there's yeah. Hill, Hamburger Hill because um, it just chews people up. Um, it's, um, it is so difficult. But then you get the downhill and people are surprised by the bridge because the bridge on one side you get up, it's actually quite a hill, yeah. but the hill that actually knocks you around is the one next to Government House where yeah. you think there are no more hills, you go down, you're off the bridge, and it's not it's not like a 65-degree no. one like Launceston. Um, it's, it's just that long incline which is just enough to knock you off. Um, so anyway, so, anyway, so I, 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 with six weeks training, I think I didn't break 50 minutes because of the hills, um, but I did, um, that was my first run. And then from that moment on, I was hooked. But stupid me, I didn't, I didn't work to a plan. I didn't break up my training. I basically from that moment on rang three or four times a week and would anything under 10K, I thought, what a waste of time. So I just ran a lot of miles and a lot of Ks. And I did the um, the and I always thought to myself, geez, I'd love to do a um, I'd love to do a marathon, but my I had to have my knee scraped from an old football injury, and my um, orthopedic surgeon, who used to play for Sandy Bay Footy Club, mm-hmm. he said, "Look at you, Dave. You're short and stocky like me. Just give it up. Just run as much as you can if you want, but you'll never run a half a marathon." And I haven't yet because of a whole range of conspiring <laughs> things. But I, I ran the point to pinnacle, which was the hardest thing I've ever done, I think. Um, so that's a half marathon from Rest Point Casino to the top of Kunyani, Mount Wellington. And it is, I did that in two hours, 20 something. So awesome. um, that was, that was, yeah. So that was while I was a minister. So I was doing long, long hours and running. And so I don't think I could have done those hours without running, um, without getting me through that moment where I just ran for an hour. Yeah. And everyone said, oh, you should try um, cycling, you should try swimming. And I thought, I just don't want to look at a black line for a period of time. And I thought 
the energy and the benefit I can get for running one hour is probably equivalent to three or four hours on the bike. And, you know, the cyclists, they just say, well, just cycle harder. They say, yeah, I get that, but I just, I love running. I love running. And it got me through that sort of hard, those hard years until my body sort of broke down for a bit. So, so, so with your running, it sounds like um, you started because you, you wanted, you could feel that you were not, you'd lost a lot of fitness and a lot of, yeah. you know, all of that, that kind of spunk, I suppose. Physical and mentally, when- I think physical and mentally it was, I think I just needed to give it a go. and mm. and. I um, and I think the fun runs people some of the athletes criticize them but they are really important for a whole lot of people who um, for a whole range of reasons it just gives you a goal so you are, are you goal driven it's a question That's I often right. ask in the podcast do you think you're goal driven yeah yeah absolutely and but also um, you you meet a whole lot of people um, oh. and and you you see the regulars at the fun runs and and, you know, how are you feeling? How's the body? How are you going to go today? Sort of stuff. So it was the point. It was the the bridge run, the city casino and the cabaret half. I did the cabaret half a couple of times. Um, and, um, and yeah, so people you meet um, and, uh, you know, the, the goals of having that. But you just, even when I didn't have a fun run, like when I travelled, I was doing some international travel um, and I didn't use the Strava stuff. I didn't want to... Mm-hmm. Getting involved because there's a whole there's a, the Strava community and people yeah, are surprised. Is. People are actually surprised. They know how competitive I am. And I say, and you're not on Strava. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. So I um I just use Runkeeper, which is a nice free little app. Yep. But yep. um and I still I still open it up and have a look at the like when I ran in London, uh, when I ran in you know I, I've been to New York for I've been lucky enough to travel to New York a couple of times, one on a family trip and and a couple for work. And, um, you know, you bring up the map of where you're running over the Brooklyn Bridge mm. and you sort of, you know, so for a while as a part of the travel, I wanted to run everywhere I travelled. Yeah. So so I had that memory. And also you get around, you can see. It's a different experience, isn't it? Like yeah, I noticed absolutely. when we've travelled, we always do a run and it always just feels yeah. different. Like you're on the ground yeah. with everyone and you're just kind of, it's very grounding maybe. That's, that's right. Mm. That's right. Absolutely. And, mm. um, you know, uh, so, yeah, so. So it was partly goal-driven uh, to run those fun runs mm-hmm. and and have a good time. You know your natural competitive instinct to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get the splits you're happy with and get a time you're happy with. Uh, but even when there wasn't a wasn't a fun run to aim for or a goal to aim for, it just got you into the habit of exercise. So, so and those so those moments help you through. What does your running look like now? Right. Well, my old hip injuries came back. Mm-hmm. And so my last half marathon was probably four or five years ago, 2016, yeah. I think, where basically two days out, I couldn't walk my hips because I was silly. I didn't mm-hmm. listen to the physio enough and I didn't um, break up my training. Mm-hmm. I just did a lot of runs. Yeah. <laughs> I just did more kilometres. And yeah. because life was busy, I was travelling. I couldn't do all the cross training, couldn't get into a uh, a rhythm I basically just had to grab my runners and grab my gear mm-hmm. and run when I could um and so confession time stupidly <laughs> and so two days out I I couldn't walk I really couldn't walk and my physio came around home he's a mate and you know did all the uh, the work on the hips and the groins and got me yeah, yeah the thumbs and the elbows and and got me up for that last run and and then I did a calf and at the end of it you know, look a whole lot of stories and so so I stopped running for a bit because it just became a chore and it became, mm-hmm. 
Um, and I just thought I just needed my body to have a break because I was just doing too many Ks. Yeah. And now um, over the last three years, um, the family, my wife started, the, and she was never a runner, although she's from a family of runners. Yeah. Her uncle um, uh, uh, ran for Australia at the Olympics at Marathon in Montreal. And oh. so they're a family of runners. Yeah. So she was never, um, she was, she's a mountain biker. Um, but she said, look, I'm going to start running. I really thought you mountain biking. No, no, I want to run. I want to have a run. And so for most people, um, you know, most people have heard of park run. So yeah. we, as a family, made a decision that every Saturday morning we were going to park run. And I'd been really up fit and I was worried about my body. And I'd spoken to a physio about saying I want to try and mm-hmm. get back into it again. Um, and, um, you know, we got into park run and the beautiful thing about the park run is the, the sense of community about that. So, yeah. and it's great for our kids to get out. They're different kids on a weekend when we get them out, out of bed, <laughs> they struggle to get them out of bed for nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. How, how um, old are you girls at the moment? How well, they're 18 and 15 now. Yeah. And so they've both done 50 park runs mm-hmm. and pushing towards a hundred. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. So so, um, so yeah, now I'm, again, super competitive. Like when I, because I hadn't run for a couple of years, I've been doing the occasional, I'd walk the dog and I've been trying to sort of think about ways to try and structure a training regime mm-hmm. to get back up because I do want to run the marathon before I'm done. Yes. Um, and so I'm still holding on to that. I'm just, my physio and I are negotiating. I'm doing more skipping now to break. Yeah. So I'm not, um, so I'm not doing the Ks that um, I yeah. used to do. So, so yeah, so now I, I said, oh, look, I just want to do five-minute Ks. I'll just do 25 minutes and that'll do me for park run. Nice Saturday morning, nice fun run. Then we can grab, there's a group of families. And so around Hobart, there's a number of park runs. So we take turn at picking the park run at the Queen's Domain or Bell Reeve or at Risdon Brook Dam or Montrose or down at Kingston or down at Jeeves. And so we all take turns to pick which park run we go to. Um, and now, you know, I'm... Um, super, you know, just I've done some PBs recently, so I'm down down to 21, whatever. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's good fun. 53. And okay, that was my fastest bit. park run, was a 21 something, but that was a yeah, long yeah, time yeah. Ago. So, <laughs> so I'm around the 22, um, a couple of PBs in the 21s, and and I don't I only run once, really, once occasionally, twice mm-hmm. a week, and I do some skipping, but I'm I'm actually now, um, I've fallen back in love, um, with it again, and so yeah. I want to. Um, I fell out of love because I was silly and didn't yeah. didn't listen to my body. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sort of going, well, this is fun again. Let's have a crack. So my physio is sort of designing. So I am skipping a couple of mornings a week. I walk the dog every morning, 40 minutes, sort of not too much a power walk, but up and down the hills yeah. of Hobart. Yeah. Um, and um, and so I'm I'm going to start to see if I can build up the Ks again and see how the body copes. But because I do want to tick that box of the marathon before I'm done. <laughs> and so way. you should. I have yeah. um last year I had a coach who's in the Netherlands and their right. main their program is all around getting age group runners and that's yep. us <laughs> to the <laughs> marathon line without um injury because they yeah. they said the, yeah. the percentage of people who are older, especially if they, you know, it's a box ticking thing, they really want to do a marathon. Um so their training is to that you don't run as far so yeah. in your training. Instead, yeah. you do some strength work and you do um, and you do a lot of heart rate stuff. So yeah. there are lots yeah. of other ways out there to train for a marathon, I yeah. guess is what I'm yeah. saying, apart from just the longer distance. Which is what my physio is talking about because I, he said, you know, this is years ago, this is what you need to do. And it's mm. advice necessarily haven't changed. Now I'm just going to listen to it. Yeah. Because before I just said, look, I've, just, I've only got time 
to do three or four runs a week. Yeah. I've got an hour, hour and a half. I want to do that. And when I was working in Sydney, I'd, I'd stay at um, um, at uh, just near sort of Surrey Hills, Redfern, and I'd run down underneath the you know the Sydney Harbour Bridge yeah. and around the you know opera house and I ten yeah. ten quick twelve k run first thing every morning. It was beautiful watching the sun come yeah. up. So it was that sort of stuff. But um, I just didn't listen to him. He said, look, I've only got this time. I'm only doing this, but I'm listening to him now. And and he's sort of, I'm very fortunate. He's an old mate of mine, but he was the Australian Olympic um, athletics physio in Brazil. Oh, cool. And he was living in the UK. He was physio for Team GB um, in, for the Olympics as well. Matt Lancaster is his name. Yeah sort of cheap plug there you um, go that's brilliant. right this isn't the abc you can do that. yeah that's right so <laughs> so lank is a lank is a, is a is a good friend and he's he's building a building a program for me so i can build it but again i'll listen to him this time and i'll um and um i'll cross train and do other things but you're right it is about um it's not just about the k's it's about yeah. listening to your body yeah. um skipping's been really good actually i find oh, it's it interesting a, skipping, it's a similar yeah. bouncing sort of but it's not yeah. a shock treatment you know you're yeah. not sort of thumping the pavement and you're putting that pressure on mm. but it's getting you it's getting that bounce activity for your quads and your and your um your calves etc so oh, I love um, that. you know and i just do like you know, a minute on 10 mm. seconds off minute on mm -hmm. just to 10 15 you just build it up and you mix it up and mm. i find that's enough to keep up the times in my cardio for mm. for running on the saturday morning yeah and again you know i'll run occasionally i'll do a run midweek and run six or seven k's and push that out so um, the midweek ones are they by yourself or do you run with yeah 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 absolutely so the and only so time really, you kind of run with people is that park run is that how that yeah, works yeah, at the minute yeah so i haven't i haven't signed up for any fun runs yet but I, mm -hmm. I i think as i build towards um towards the goal i'll i will um but it is interesting because park run it's 5k like it's over yeah. in a blink really mm -hmm. um and you, your body's it's obvious um and now when i'm running on my own my my splits are quicker oh, than before yeah. i did park run huh. so i'm under five five minute k's now yeah when i'm running on my own when i would normally just roll along for yeah. a longer period of time slower so i know for athletes who do this they go yeah that's obvious because your muscles are used to running quicker and they just do that so yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I've noticed that I'm running quicker. And so here's a couple of the questions that I ask most people: Do you like to listen to anything when you're running, or are you running listening? It depends. To yeah, yeah, I do. I um, when I'm um, when I'm going on longer runs, I'll try and do a podcast, but then I realise mm -hmm. I drift off a lot yeah. um, as I'm running. So mm -hmm. um, you know, it depends on my mental state, Michelle. Yeah. I think if I'm a bit stressed. I'll just run in silence and listen okay. and let my mind wander yeah. um, because I need to process stuff. And there are times when I'm feeling okay mm -hmm. and I'll listen to music and I'll get into the music. I still wander and it's still good yeah. for my head. Um, I'll listen to a podcast or if I'm running at a time where um, I need to listen to the news or early AM um, yeah. <laughs> on ABC, the radio, you know. Um, I've been I'll listen that. to that if I listen to the news. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll listen to that if I if it coincides with the time mm. I can listen to it, but it depends how I'm, it just depends how I'm feeling. Like yeah. on park run, um, chatter, chatter, chatter at the beginning of the race. And then I'll put on my four or five songs um, and then just go for it. And, you know, when you, um, like a Bell Reeve, um, uh, you go over the bluff at Bell Reeve. So it's an out and back yeah. 
5K. And there are times when you're heading up the hill on the way back where it's a little bit steep and if one of your cracking song comes on, it gets me across the hill because you focus on the song and the tempo and away you go. So <laughs> I um I had a divorce. My, I had a divorce in my late twenties, and I was had been running for a few years by then. And yeah. I think the song was it. I am woman, hear me roar. You still listen Helen to Reddy. it? Yeah, yeah. I was running. Yeah, it's and a I power you, anthem. It got me through. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Isn't it funny amazing. how music at various points in your life? Um, and uh, yeah, there's a couple of old, um, you know, a couple of uh, songs from the '90s that get me through. Cake, I'm going the distance. Yeah. You know, dun dun dun. You know, the old ACDC songs. Yeah, as well. the ones with the really, really heavy beats. But a couple of, you know, a couple of old punk songs as well. You know, um, yeah. My Power by God. Um, <laughs> you know, those guys, yeah. the three-piece punk from the yeah. um, '80s. So you know, a few of those old songs which get you through, and then the couple of new ones which which also help out as well amazing yeah. so do you find like we've talked a little bit about um, how running uh when you've had things to think things to think about and to process do you find you deliberately will go for a run when those things are happening because the i guess the way i want to frame it is that when often when you know shit happens in our lives we yeah. will go I'm too busy I've got to sort all that out I don't have time to go for a run yeah. whereas actually the reality is the opposite it's if you go yeah. for a run you'll find it easier to get through whatever is going on in your life at the time to Absolutely. process things yeah so it, do you use it for that purpose or do you tend to put it to the side as something extra that I don't have time for at the moment years ago I would have done that years ago I would have said I don't have time to go for a run I've got to sort this out or hmm. got to process this or whatever I you know I mm -hmm. can't but now, um, like, you know, as, as you say, everyone goes through moments in their life yeah. where there's a bit more stress on. Yeah. Um, when And I've noticed that um, that's that's where I go to. I'll go for the run um, when I'm most stressed, and that mm. helps significantly. Like, yeah. um, particularly in areas like it's not just going for a run for the sake of it, going mm. for a run around the streets. Mm -hmm. um, I, I go to two places, uh, Risdon Brook Dam in Hobart, yeah. which is a beautiful um, trail run around mm -hmm. um, around a you know a dam effectively. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a beautiful spot, but also the pipeline track in Hobart up Mount um, Wellington Kunyanyu. So mm -hmm. um, the pipeline track, beautiful. It's a bit of an incline on the way out. So you do go as far as you want, but basically I'd run four or five k up, and then there's a slight decline all the way back. But you're running through effectively alpine forest. Um, and it is, you occasionally see people walking their dog or occasionally see other runners, mm. um, but it's, it's cold because it's up on a mountainside. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's soft around you because there's, um, you know, there's forest around you mm. um, and it's a nice trail run. Mm. And usually I don't have something in my ears. I just listen yeah. to what's around me, um, mm -hmm. I'm basically wheezing and breathing heavily. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, when I'm stressed, um, mm. it's a combination of a run and the place. I'll seek out grounding. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I noticed I had a bit of a stressful time last year. A couple yep. of things that happened in my life and and um, I was still park running, but yep. then I would lift up, I would be running two or three times a week, nothing yep. too long, um, but it would be a it would be a stress run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call well, yeah, stre yeah. to relieve stress. <laughs> to relieve the stress, that's right. It's a stress-induced moment. Yeah. And, and the good thing is because, you know, you, you, you verbalise these things with your, your, 
your wife and kids, you talk about it and mm. and they noticeably know the difference in me where I'm calmer, you know, you've got more oxygen flying around your head mm. um, and you can cope with life better, I think. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Being really it. open about it, Michelle, absolutely. I'll reach, yeah. out. I'll reach out for the running times of needs. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's something about the nature when you get out in nature on those trails. Yeah, that real grounding effect um, that nature provides us in those times. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like going back to your roots a bit. Sort of. yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's also the beautiful thing about living in, in Tasmania, and particularly Hobart, within mm. a 10-minute drive, you can be in, you know, the, the middle of a, a state reserve running along an amazing trail with magnificent views. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm feeling very parochial. I don't know why, yeah, yeah, but um, exactly. I just want to say the gorge. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's right. Well, when I... Lived in Lonnie, and when I go to, uh, you know, if I I'm love able there. to do it, go to Lonnie. I, I lived amazing. in South Lonnie, um, just near the hospital, and I would run up uh, West Side or Hillside Crescent, which is a yeah. what, what sort of not ninety five degrees, it'd be close to seventy five eighty degrees up that hill. But running through the Cataract Gorge back around into yeah. um, back into to Lonnie, um, that's amazing. That was the best, one of the best moments. Just so stunning so yes launceston it's cataract gorge Long, yes <laughs> um, Hobart, it's around the mountains yeah, so, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> actually found because i lived in sydney for a while and like right now i'm in in noosa there australia is yep. quite fortunate like a lot of parts of australia the cities have been designed in a way where it doesn't take that much to get to a park or a reserve or a bit of nature yeah. which is really nice I've, I've really appreciated that as a runner like trying to explore yeah. an environment even if it's a built-up environment Usually don't have yeah, to go too right. far to find yeah. a trail. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, mm. and particularly you look at Melbourne. There's a uh, around the river there. You can yeah. you can run up and around there. So I would, you know, if I was had meetings in in Melbourne, or you know, I would you know, say somewhere in the CBD, and I'd run straight down to the um, to the river and just yeah. run up around the river and around the MCG and yeah. through the parklands, Fitzroy Gardens and stuff. So Love it. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful yeah. there. Um, yeah. So you keep talking about, not keep talking, but we talked about you potentially doing a marathon. Yes. Are, are you thinking about that doing a road marathon or a trail marathon? Now that we've touched on that you do like a bit of trail, which is normally a question I ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, I want to tick off. Um, sorry, it's not ticking off. I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do these things. It's not, yeah. So I actually think I, my first one, I think I would like a more structured road yeah. one. Like mm -hmm. everyone says, like are you going to try Gold Coast first? That's the yeah. one. Because it's flat in the middle of July. I think that's the one I did first, actually. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. In my 40s. But I'm I'm a huge fan. I'm in, of New York, so ah. um, I I that would be what I would love to do. I'd love to do the New York Marathon. I know everyone says yeah. a bit of a cliche, but you know I've done the Cabri half down here, and I know the course, and so I reckon I'll do a couple here mm -hmm. just to, to to prove that I can do it. Either one. Probably the Cabri, the Hobart one. Yeah. Although it is a summer, you know, summer in Tasmania, it's still warm. Um, yeah. But it can be a bit windy on the mornings as well. So mm. probably do a road one. Um, but I do love a trail run. Mm. And recently there's been the running um, festival, the uh, Kunyanyi Mount Wellington Running Festival, yes. which um, they had their first one here earlier this year in magnificent weather. Actually, late last year. Sorry, it was around December, I think. Was it? No, anyway, actually, so it was, it was earlier. This, well, they had one earlier this year because I'm aware of that. Like it was something yeah, yeah. So like it was either earlier this April year, April or March, March or April. Anyway. Yeah, could, yeah. Actually, it's funny. The, the years are blur already. Oh, it was um, April because I went to a wedding and the bloke who was, uh, <laughs> who was playing the music then was going down the next day to play music there. So, Beautiful, because, but it was it was a two day, three day 
mm. classic autumnal Hobart um, days. Um, mm. um, not a cloud in the sky, sort of mid-20s, perfect for trade. Because I, I go up uh, the foothills a lot. I used to mountain bike with my wife and I used to go up uh, around the, the foothills of, of Hobart as well. And I occasionally take the dog up for a walk up there around there. So... Um, I would love to do that, but I, but I think in terms of a marathon, I'd, I'd probably do the road one first. Yeah. Um, but um, a trail run would, and there's beautiful down at um, down the peninsula down the south in Tassie as well. They do a number of trail runs between sort of iconic sort of um, Cape Hoy and uh, uh, and Port Arthur. So some of those trail Great runs are spectacular. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'd love to do that as well. But beautiful. but I think in terms of the um, um, of the ticker box goal achievement, mm. it'll be a road. It'll a be a road, road one, I reckon. Yeah. A bit more structured, so yeah. it all turns mm-hmm. south. I've I've got friends to help me. <laughs> <laughs> and the odd ambulance and public transport yeah, yeah, to get right. the way back. Public <laughs> <transport>. <laughs> you need it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I wouldn't mind doing Melbourne, finishing at the MCG a bit lovely. Yeah, Melbourne's Running good. I've done that. I've done six Melbournes. <laughs> yeah, right. Look at you. Well so done. that's a few. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I think I'd rather do it's trail fun. runs now. Yeah. I'm more into trail runs now. So yeah. Well, because you've you've you know it's it's yeah. almost the next frontier, isn't it? Like it it's it's not as if you get tired of doing it. It's no. geez, I'd like to mix it up a bit, you know. So, and I think that's important with your running. Try and mix it up. Yeah, I think yeah. we, I where that. and how and what you do. Um, um, that's important. You said that your family is now doing park runs with you in the yep. last few years. Yep. Um, what do they think of it? Like the girls especially. How do you keep them? I mean, you said sometimes it's a struggle to get them out of bed. What do you yeah. think motivates them to, to actually get um, out of bed? Well, it's, <laughs> it's the community of it yeah. um, because there's a group of families and we all take turns. And so there's that peer group. We're now in a, you know, we've got the chat group where we all sort of saying, well, where are we running this week? And, and the good thing about um, park run is the email. Everyone sweats on the yeah. email uh, later Saturday morning to go to get your, all your results. Yeah. But also a couple of the park runs do the Facebook posts with the photos. So we share photos. So it's become a community thing. So our friends have got kids so of the same age. So there's about three or four families. Yeah. And we all do it. And we all sort of egg each other along and support each other. And key milestones, the 50 and the 100, we're all there celebrating. And we all share the, the photos um, with each other. And some of them are more flattering than others. <laughs> um, and so... It's it's the, the strength of Park Run is the community. And you know, we see friends and we see other people and and I know that there's people that I've never met before in my life um, who sort of know me because it's you know it's Tassie. Um, yeah. and they come up to you afterwards and go, Oh, you know, I, I've been tracking you for the last couple of weeks and I think I'm gonna get close to you next week and <laughs> I think I can beat you next week and we can chat about it. And and it's this, and particularly I mean in one of the runs here, there's a guy who, when we first came along, um, was a guy who was, you know, he was, he was a big, big guy and he didn't look healthy mm. and he struggled to walk the 5K. Oh. Um, and he now is running it. He's almost half his size um, and he's run director and he does volunteering. And, and that's what I also like about Parkrun. You, you, you know, you, you're not compelled, but you really should. And it's a great thing to, to volunteer. You have a week off of Parkrun and you volunteer as a barcode scanner or a trail walker or whatever yeah. um so the sense of community and i see people like you know down the road here next to the office there's a cafe and someone comes up and go oh how, how's your park run times you know so it's it's lovely it's good and you don't sort of recognize them immediately because you're not red and sweaty yeah. and got your yeah. running gear on yeah. um and so you have a chat to them and 
Um, so what I love about Parkrun is that the sense of community, um, the, <laughs> the data you get uh, yeah. from the email, um, but also, um, you know, it is that discipline every week. You know, it's not for serious runners, although there are people that run it in 16 minutes and what 15 yeah. minutes and away they go. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is fun. It is good fun. And you think the girls will continue once the parents aren't dragging them? Um, I think my oldest will. My youngest, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. She, uh, she's a bit harder to get out of bed than the oldest. Yeah. But you know, she loves the data as well. So she, yeah. you know, she's quick to get on and and um, and tell people about their times if they got a PB or not. So, so I reckon they will in a different way. My daughter, my oldest, is a gymnast. So she's still like oh. she's eight now, and she's in the last years of her sort of gymnastics career. But now she's coaching and she's mentoring and yeah. and she's um she's in that sort of space mm. um my youngest played footy australian rules she's tried everything hockey soccer yeah. and now she's played although she's having a year off this year um it wasn't as fun for her last year for whatever reason maybe COVID. i don't know uh and so yeah maybe they will but it's yeah. you know as a parent it's that fine line between making it a chore yeah. making it too awkward mm where you push them away or that you just encourage them. But we notice the difference in the kids um, after a run and um, and that that family community sense, because we all got to have brunch um, afterwards, you know, at the, the closest cafe and mm. have coffee and breakfast all together. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. It is. I um, We've talked on the podcast a number of times about what when their parents, when your parents run and your kids, yeah. whether they do or not, it's something that becomes then a part of their DNA. So even if they don't run as a child, even yeah. if we don't, aren't able to get them out of bed. And I've had yeah. one of them I wasn't able to of the five, but <laughs> <laughs> got four I was Jeez, able to. Four, four out of five. That's, <laughs> that's got, a distinction in most so people's books. Four of them have got more than 100 runs at the running club, <laughs> which is all right. But um, to me, it gives them something in their toolbox their life yeah. toolbox so that later on when life does things to them or whatever, you know, we've, we yeah. talk often on hearing not most people don't, uh, you know, continue running all the way through from their childhood into their adulthood mm. and then keep doing it, you know, forever. Although some do, you know, life happens and, and stuff stops you, yeah, but that's right. you know that you can come back to it and, and it's there. Yeah. It's not something, there's something about giving kids experiences yeah. or that that if yeah. they see their parents have done it and therefore it's in their yeah. DNA, they could do it should Your they choose the later on. Right. <laughs> you know, it's that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, like you said, modelling the behaviour. So I really think it is important that as parents yeah. we show that a healthier ways to live, I suppose. I, I, I agree. I mean, it doesn't mean you become zealots about it. No, um, not at all. But, um, you know, it's we, we consciously make it fun and yeah. uh, enjoyable and mm. You know, and also you don't want to let the other families down. You're not going to just sort of no. roll over in bed and go, well, we don't feel like it this morning because, uh, you know, but I oh, know we said in the chat that we'd want to do it. We want to go, you know, it was your turn to pick. So let's go. And so, and particularly sometimes in Hobart mornings, they can be pretty cold in the middle of yeah. winter. But, um, you know, that's the, that, that goes, you look at the weather forecast about where you pick because if it's going to be cold and rainy and windy, you don't go to Montrose Bay, for example, because it comes right off the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, you might go to Queen's Domain because there's a, a trail a bit more solid, or you go to Bell Reef, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you make it fun and enjoyable. Yeah. And you're right, you just you just hope that by osmosis or whatever they yeah. they, they they you're right. You, you add a tool to their toolbox. I yeah. think that's a that's a lovely way to describe it. Yeah, that's what I like. That's what parents are. <laughs> 
That's, That's what, we, what we try and do. Filling yeah. up the toolbox with some things that they might yeah. find useful later and on. Maybe you fill, you fill them up with other stuff with their, um, they'll, they'll sort out with cancelling, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so um, I wanted to ask you, so you said you had um, some injuries, obviously. Yep. We've yep. talked a bit about that. And you couldn't run for a little while once yeah. you started um, this, you know, your adult career as a runner on purpose, not just to get yeah, fit yeah, for yeah. footy. Conscious um, decision. <laughs> yeah, conscious decision. How did you How did you deal with that not being able to run? Like once, because I assume it's an identity thing, you'd called yourself a runner. I started seeing you on Facebook back then, yeah. um, having, you know, running the bridge and stuff. I remember thinking, oh, David's running. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which was cool because runners yeah. always notice other runners. Um. And, and then you couldn't run for a while with the injury. How, how did you deal with that identity-wise? Did you like, Ugh. Yeah. Um, well, it was, yeah, it was there were moments where you sort of in conversations and they go, oh, um, I didn't see you at the bridge run this year. So, oh, well, I'm, I'm carrying an injury. So it's sort of, it was hard, you know, because yeah. you do miss the community, you miss the running. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you need to listen to your body. And mm. I just, I think I... Um, I was traveling a lot as well at some point in time. And so, mm. so I was missing out on some runs because I was traveling. Um, so I, I sort of worked it out to say, well, I needed to listen to my body. And, and what I didn't want to do was run and hurt myself more while I was running and just, yeah. you know, become a bit of a, you know, I don't know, what would you call a bit of a sad figure? Oh, there's the old bloke breaking down again, yeah. having stopped and walking. So I wanted to be respectful to my body. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you missed out on stuff. You felt a bit bad about it. But your body was telling you you needed a bit of a break. So I think that's how I, I did it. And then in my head, I just rationalised it and got on with my career mm. when I really should have worked a bit harder to get back out, I reckon. Yeah, you know, I that's, suppose that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You, you're a bit of an ever-ready bunny, like not just... <laughs> like, like, you're, like you, if you think about what you do for yeah. your life, your, for your work, um, your career, and what that's been like, like to me... Just watching it, it's like, and you know, understanding some of the stuff that yeah. you've done. I know you're just busy all the time. Like you said, you'd be going and so you could yeah. fill maybe some of the gaps that perhaps yeah. where running was, and and maybe you then, as you said, um, yeah, I think that's right. I, I mean, I get energy from other people, and it's taken a few years for me to understand that. Mm. Um, but also, it's um, it's funny. It's it's like um, my wife is an introvert. She's a homebody, okay. and so I drag her out of the home, and she drags me. Yeah home and so we have that beautiful sort of pendulum yeah. where it's good for her to get out um, from yeah. the home and and um or you know from just working um and get out being social mm-hmm. um and because she'd be quite happy just you know uh, sitting on the couch at home binging or you know going for a walk yeah. with the dog um and I said well I need to be out amongst people and meeting yeah. people and chatting and catching mm-hmm. up with friends and and so we both have that sort of um, ebb and flow which has been really really good and so between us we we've we found this and, and park run is that really um keep on going back to it but it's yeah, that really it's nice good. nice balance because she likes the run and she can be a little bit solo on a run like she doesn't like people running with her and talking to her she does the yeah. <laughs> i'm just going to run my run and then we'll have a chat afterwards yeah um whereas i'm sort of waving and saying good day to people on the way you know? <laughs> g'day, g'day, g'day. so so yeah so i think um I think that's right, and I think getting that balance right is important. But yeah, I, I do get energy from other people if it's my life. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, how long do you think you'll run for? Oh, I, you know, it's funny. I was watching. Um, 
this guy really, he, um, I, I would say he would be in his 80s and you see him shuffling along yeah. and he didn't look like he was in pain <laughs> and he looked like he was enjoying himself. I'm thinking, well, if I can do that, I'll run as long as, as long as possible. I think as long as my body can hold up and I'm not destroying my body and as long as I enjoy it. Like yeah. it, that's has mm-hmm. to be the key, I think. Uh, so I, I want to be running, and I, I just need to be smarter. I can't just do what I did when I was younger and just run a lot of k's yeah. and just run whenever I felt like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll need to manage that and and cross. And that's where the skipping's been nice. I didn't think mm. I could enjoy skipping, um, <laughs> but it's been really, really good. So that's actually, um, uh, I think that will prolong my running um, life. I think, but yeah. I want to run it for as long as possible. And I reckon I'll run park run until I die. Um, awesome. I know that sounds a bit weird because it's um, because it's 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 such a good community, um, and you know you sort of you, we're now arriving a little bit earlier than what we normally would because we find we we turn up and chat to people yeah. we hadn't spoken to for either a couple of weeks or yeah. we just catch up on the week. Oh, how are you going? How's you know how's work and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So we see a lot of regulars, and there's a guy. He's a partner of an old friend of mine. And he's a bit quicker than I am. He's a bit younger, but quicker than I am. Yeah. And he always, I'm getting closer and closer to him at the halfway mark. Yeah. Um, and the last couple of weeks, he's he always waves and says, G'day. He's gone, good form, Dave, good form, <laughs> getting closer. And so he he runs at the same rate um, and I'm getting closer to him. So, wow. so um, it's lovely. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, um, I'll, I'll uh, and the good thing is about park run, there's a little quirks, you know, you got to, uh, you um, you do the alphabet, you do the different challenges, you get the numbers, you go to different park runs. Yeah. And, you know, I was running at Christmas, my family, my wife's family is from Devonport. So Christmas Day they had the park runs up there running at Christmas Day. Yeah. And, you know, after a big Christmas Eve, so I was a little bit slow, <laughs> uh, a little bit sort of foggy. Um, and Blake ran past me, he's gone, oh, Bill Reeve. <laughs> g'day. <laughs> so you see all the people. No, that's, David. Know, the, the park run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. G'day. Yeah, yeah. Park run tourists. So yes. And we had a friend over from the United States from Minnesota mm-hmm. recently, and he uh, we took him to two park runs. Um, whenever I, I, I go to the states, I try and catch up with him when we go for a run together. Yeah. Um, he's sixty, a little bit older than, than us, but uh, he um, he uh, uh, he did the park run. So he's going to try and take park run back to Duluth Minnesota because it's not it's not as big in the US as it is ah. in Australia and the UK obviously and New yeah. Zealand's really big we did a so, couple in the UK when we were there yeah yeah so <laughs> he's gonna there's one in Minnesota right in the Twin Cities in um, Courthouse Lake I think um, and he's gonna try and he knows the local mayor and he's gonna try and get the local mayor I mean problem is in winter like is meters of snow so they'll have to call it off at I'm sure they can work it out well, around Lake <laughs> Superior yeah that's right Around Lake Superior, there's there's a beautiful running track down there. Oh, so, wow. so yeah. So I reckon I'll become a park run tourist. Um, that'll that'll certainly, be me. It's certainly a park run ambassador. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I've spoken about it in Parliament, and that's you know, awesome. on, on the adjournment speech, I got up and talked about the community oh, and the physical and mental health, and it's all volunteer run. It's free as you know. I it's magnificent, and so I think that's a great community organizing model yeah. and so i talked about how good it was and mm. you know the video went viral and all the all the face all the the park run facebookers were loving it so it was good because <laughs> it's a good thing like i just um you know and i'll do the fun runs now and once i build back up my k's and and um and start to rebuild towards a marathon park run will always be a yeah, part of yeah, it. central we had yeah, um, yeah. actually the the lady actually we've also had 
Well, the people responsible for bringing it to Tassie have been on yeah, the yeah. podcast <laughs> a couple yeah, of right. so, um, or... so no, we had um, Craig Craig Boone. Um, well, maybe oh yeah, Craig. Yeah, yeah, Craig. yeah, yeah. And also had um, Christine Timms, who's um, yep, yep. I think she's actually in charge. Well, was in charge of the Tassie. Yeah, Craig gave anyway. Yeah, I think she's out of Kingston, I think, Christine is. I'm not sure. But no, but no, Craig, I've known Craig from Launceston because he's yeah, a yeah. Launceston boy. And yeah. so he does Queen's Domain Park Run, Boonie. So I uh, I scanned him and I volunteered the other day, the other oh, run. Oh, so, good on you. Yeah, well done. He's a good man because he's, he's now soon to retire as well from teaching. So. Yes. And so for those people listening, every Tasmanian knows every Tasmanian. Yeah, that works. This That's tiny, right. tiny, tiny place. Of uh, five hundred thousand people, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's a tiny, tiny place. Um, <laughs> actually, oh, there's so many stories about being, um, you know, not in Tasmania and turning around and seeing a Tasmanian. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Of, yeah, yep. Well, oh, just one. I have to tell the story now. We were when we were going away on that trip. We told you about where we took the kids away overseas. Yep. Uh, we were in uh, Malaysia. We were up in the Monkey Temple uh, in Kuala yeah. Lumpur. We'd climbed all these steps to get there. And, uh, we were only there for a couple of days and we turned around and uh, a gentleman that my husband used to go to school with in Tasmania was there with his two <laughs> kids and his two kids who were twins happened to be in the same class as my daughter in Riverside. <laughs> um, and they were just at a layover there because they were coming on the way back to Tasmania from they did a trek in the Himalayas or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. There, there's no reason why we should have crashed into each other. I was like, what? I know. I had a bizarre moment in um, in Stockholm where I'd flown in. I went. I was going to a conference in Stockholm, and I flew into the airport. And the conference was actually at the airport. Um, oh. And yeah, yeah. Like it was just like they had the conference facility, and we so we, they all we were booked into the hotel. So I was there. I got in a day early. I'd, it was about midnight and I was checking in and I looked at me and there was a guy whose wife I used to work with. So, oh, g'day, mate. How are you? Oh, g'day, Joe. How are you, mate? Like in midnight, there was there was no, no one around. Like That's it was bad. remarkable. And there's, a, you know, Tasmanians will have these stories and I met <sighs> someone in um, Chichen Itza in Mexico. Oh, g'day, Doug. Oh, g'day, mate. How are you? What are you doing? Oh, yeah, good, good. So not Terrible <laughs> stuff. Yeah. It's like we've got little radars we to That's right. attract That's each other. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah. All right. This is a question that I ask everyone, and I'm always fascinated by the answer. Okay. Um, how do you think <laughs> do my running? Best to be fascinating. Yeah. How do you think running has improved your life? Uh, um, uh, physically, I'm I'm healthier when I run. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happier when I run, mm-hmm. um, and I've met amazing people through running. So. Um, Physically, sort of, you know, um, yeah. uh, um, my, my health, my body is better. Um, my um, my mental health is better. Um, and I'm enriched by the people I meet in what I'm doing. So it, 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 it's, it just refills. It refills every part of me. Um, my, you know, my innate want and um, need to meet new people and to be interested in them and to, and to build a relationship um, and to be physically and mentally happier. And the beautiful thing has been around my family and our parkrun experience, but also the fact that this is something that is at such a low entry bar, like it's the easiest thing to do and we can do it together and we're enjoying it together and we're, we're, we're sharing the experience where, you know, when we go on holidays to the Sunshine Coast, yeah. um, 
we do the park run, although it starts at 7 a.m. there. So running has made my life better, and I didn't realise and uh, until sort of, you know, you, you sort of, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, running, I never thought I'd be a runner, even when I was playing football, like in training, mm -hmm. you know, the fittest I ever was, I could run for hours um, on football and, you know, the fart licking mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. You could, the fittest I've ever been, I never thought I'd be a runner. Um, but it's the best thing I've ever done. I love that. Thank mm. you. Yeah, no uh, worries. Before we wrap it up, a couple, two more questions. Yep. Is there anything about running that we haven't mentioned that you would like to mention? Uh, oh, shoes are important. I know that sounds a bit wanky, no. but just get the shoes that work for you. Um, like I just got, I just thought I got the brand. I thought, well, I'll get the brand. That's what I do and, yeah. I'll, and I'll run. And actually having someone help you pick out your shoe in terms of your stability makes the running experience better. I know just, and, and be comfortable. And I remember um, like playing football, you were given uniforms and training uniforms and they were usually yeah, the real fitting or whatever and it wasn't fun. And so what I've learned that it doesn't matter what you wear when you're running, mm -hmm. as long as you're comfortable. Yeah. And so just wear whatever you come. So good shoes. And just comfortable, you know, if you're cold, put stuff on. If you're warm, you don't need to wear, you know, all the latest stuff, but just wear what you're comfortable with. So that's important for me. And that, that's a part of the running ritual, I think, being comfortable and having good shoes. <laughs> that's that um, you don't have to be, like years ago, I wrote a book about running in 2004 called uh, yep. Run Forever. Anyway, yep. Yep. <laughs> um, back then when I was trying to create a business around running, runners did not buy anything apart from shoes yeah right? and so and i but I, and i think now runners buy lots of stuff but they don't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. the only important thing like you just said when it comes to spending a bit of time is your shoes yeah. i think that is yeah, still right. the most important thing all the other stuff as yeah. long as you're comfortable that's the important yeah. element and yeah. even i look i wear one of those little uh little pocket things to put my phone in yep you know, the little belt thing. No, I, and I, years ago, I would never have done that. I'd be cringeworthy. Oh, my God, what are you doing? But I'm just doing it because it's just like I just need, I take my phone, I just want it there, yeah. and so I do it. So whatever whatever floats. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Floats, so. All right, so um, to finish up, yes. any tips for beginner runners? Obviously, we've talked about shoes. Is there anything yep. else that if somebody came up to you and said, I want to start running, David, what would yep. you suggest? Um, you're not going to run 10K straight away. You're not going to um, be as quick as you think you are. Just take it easy. Take your time. Um, don't force your body, um, but then, but don't uh, don't give up. Mm, yeah. So don't push yourself too hard, but don't give up. Okay. Um, and just push, and it'll get better. It'll get easier. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, that you know that euphoric moment when you're running. Yeah. You know, you know it. Runners low. know it. When you just get low. this, it's such a high. Mm -hmm. and your body's feeling good and you're on a good pace and you're in a good place mentally and physically. And there are times when I'm running up around the mountain where, um, particularly on the way back on that slight <laughs> decline <Down>. where I'm <laughs> running under, you know, I'm just, and it's just the momentum and you just, you're not tired. You are, I mean, you're tired because you're running, but it's it's just that euphoric moment. Just remember that. Don't forget that moment because that's yeah. that's the beauty of running and, and you'll get there again. It may be tough if you're running the first few Ks or whatever, mm -hmm. but you'll get to that moment. And so mm -hmm. don't push yourself too hard. Don't um, create too many hurdles for you in terms of your performance. Um, you'll get the euphoric high. You'll get the running high. It'll be there. Mm -hmm. Just keep looking for it. You'll, you'll get mm -hmm. there and don't give up and don't stop. I love it. <laughs>
Beautiful. Well, thank Lovely. you, David. It has been a delight and I've really enjoyed reconnecting with you after all of these yeah. years. <laughs> I know, and it's lovely to, to see you and hear your voice again, yeah. Michelle. And thanks for the opportunity because this is, because sometimes you don't, um, it's podcasts such as this um, for old friends where you can yeah. um, you can talk about stuff that you really only sort of think about at times or you don't reflect yeah. on. Or So this has been really, this yeah. has been lovely to chat and hopefully someone listening has got something out of it for them. So, yeah, yeah. I've loved. Um, yeah, I've loved just talking to you about the fact you know running this other side of your life that yeah. you know at least in Tasmania you've got a public you know politician yep. blah blah blah. Yeah. But you yeah. know there are other elements like there are to everybody, and it's yeah, been really cool. nice to uh, to talk to you about that. So thank you for sharing Probably. and being so generous. I appreciate. No, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity and happy running. Thank you. You do. Good luck with the marathon. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.